0: i better not say too much. Tottenham topple the champions of day one. And a wow! He's taken the cover of that. A splendid goal from Saul of which gets Spurs off to a fire. Hello, happy international break. Welcome to A Bit Spursy. I'm Barney. I'm Dan. Uh, And we're here to talk about uh, two games uh, that occurred since our last episode and, of course, uh, the news of Antonio Conte being appointed as our manager, which every time I think about it still gives me little goosebumps.
1: Yeah, and it was in our last episode, we we did have a lot of speculation about uh, whether Conte was coming or not. It was um, the day before he was announced. And I think it reminded me at the time when we were doing it to an earlier episode where we were pretty much in on Fonseca. Um, yeah. And we were having a lot of fun with that. The fonds, um, mm. getting all excited. It's like, all right, cool. We have a manager. Uh, but this actually happened against yeah. all the odds. Uh, this happened and uh, we somehow nabbed Conte.
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, uh, it's fantastic. It's been covered to absolute death. So it's hard to sort of say anything new or um, exciting about the appointment. Um, apart from uh one particular uh Barney tinfoil hat Spurs fan theory that um uh Conte at Inter was in on Emerson Royale. Uh we sign him, and then the players that we signed are, uh, you know, not uh dissuited to Conte's systems over the summer transfer window. Um maybe the plan all along, the hopeful plan was to eventually just get him. Um and Nuno was seen as a stop almost like a caretaker stopgap. gap um they were thinking that he would play through his like p- pretty conservative football you know uh we wouldn't be embarrassing we wouldn't embarrass ourselves which we 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 did so um you know maybe things got kicked into gear I don't know but it's 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 great the two games so far I've been really impressed I don't think it's actually that tim fall hat
1: because when you look at it um you know we talk like over the summer, there were so many Spurs fans talking about like um how Paratici's a mug and it's like you know, just it's like unless he signs like, you know, Messi Mbappe Haaland um <laughs> and anyone else, like then he's just not wasting his time and he's not actually doing a good job. Like there were so yeah. many people who were just like, We've had such a bad window. Our team's so much worse than what it is. Um <laughs> and it's like just unequivocally not the case <laughs> at all. Uh, but mm. then like you say, it's like, you know, he's he's it is becoming clearer now it's like you know he has a plan he knows the players that he wants um they are very you know similar to players conte would go after <laughs> some might say <laughs> the same players uh cuz i yep. got a feeling as well that at some stage there was some small interest from conte in Romero too possibly um yep. and into so uh yeah i don't think it's i don't think it's that far fetched an idea and i i do agree that um especially after conte's statements where he came out and again, we never, ever are going to know what's the case. But we all thought, you know, Conte had rejected us in the summer over transfer spending and all this sort of stuff. But then Conte, you know, he said here, and it could just be PR training from uh, saying that he just wasn't ready to to sort of move into another role, and he wasn't quite uh, he wasn't quite unattached from Inter emotionally yet. Uh, but now he's sort of ready to jump back in. So yeah, I, I honestly think Paratici could have been like, you know what, let's just get someone in. Who will kind of do the job and probably has no big like severance package, uh, not a big expectation in terms of um, wages and and salary for the manager. Uh, and then yeah, Nuno became um, that person, and then now this is the real plan coming to fruition.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I very much hope that that's the case. As I said last time, the the way you read the media is like a choose your own adventure, and we uh, had a lot of press about how. Well, I mean the fans were very unhappy with um Paratici's, uh practice, but you know, even prior to Conte being appointed, I still thought it was pretty good. Um But uh also, you know, in his it could be very well true that he was still too attached to Inter and he didn't want to start at a new club, he needed a break. Um, but to me and, and what's sort of been reported a little bit is that Conte was concerned about keeping Harry Kane and uh, who was going to be brought in, you know, like signings wise. And then since Kane was uh, kept at the club and the signings were to Conte's liking um, and the plan was was sort of the plan that Paratici had seemingly was, was being executed, I think that would have been a bigger bigger factor in him um, deciding to, to take the job. I can see that. I can see the little tease from Conte there.
1: Nah, mm. I don't know if I'm going to take it. Don't know. don't know what's happening to Kane. don't know if you're actually going to mm. spend anyone. Um, I'm just going to go on holiday for a bit and uh, you've got my number. Uh, mm. And then mm. Parateach is going, all right, I'm going to impress him. Mm. <laughs> oh, let's keep Kane. Let's get in some players that would suit his system well and um, then go back. And it's like, see, told you. You're still interested? Um, yeah. Because it, it got done very, very quickly. And mm. I can't imagine with like, you know, a, a manager of Conte's caliber that, you know, we just suddenly go one day, you know what? We're going to sack Nuno next day. Hey, Antonio, you're signed. Like, yeah, there's no exactly. way that that happened. We know that like Paratici and Conte do have a previous relationship. Uh He's also, we don't get Conte if we don't know Paratici. Just absolutely no way at all. So no. for me already, Paratici is a big W. Um mm. This is a, I'm, I'm like, yep, cool. I'm happy with his first, he could have a horrendous like rest of the year until the next like you know, the summer transfer window, and I'm like, no, he's had a successful first year um, just (laughs) Mm. in managing to get uh, Conte in and hopefully a, you know, transformative signing for the club. Like it feels a little bit weird that, you know, we did get sort of two games off basically two training sessions that he'd had, um, and Mm. then we have to go into um, an international break and have Mm. no, (laughs) no football to watch for two weeks. Um, mm. apart from obviously the snake, uh, getting a hat trick for England.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The snake got his hat trick. Um, and, um, as I said to you prior to recording, Dan, uh, England celebrates, uh, uh, a huge amount and they play, what was it? The 62nd. 63rd. <laughs> the I
1: think Albania,
0: 63rd. I think Albania is 63rd.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like you say, it's like the, the big celebrations from <laughs> beating <laughs> up a minnow of European football. Um, yeah. especially compounded by the fact that you've got Harry Maguire um, scoring a header, uh, which, you know, well taken, but also it's against Albania, and yeah. then goes on a big run, big slide, cups his ears, um, as if to <laughs> sort of silence all these critics for his Man U performances. And it's just like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. that's like us getting stuck in a Kane, and then he plays in the League Cup against Wickham and scores, and then goes around shushing the crowd. Um, yeah. It, like... It makes no sense, and I think it just makes Harry. Uh, sorry, Harry Maguire. What is it with players named Harry? Um, mm. And look, it makes Harry Maguire just look like an absolute mug. Um, it's ridiculous, <laughs> and you know he still is a five million pound defender.
0: Yeah, it's so funny. His whole the way he operates and and his form since he's been at Man U has. You know, he's had a couple of good patches, but in the majority has been five million pound defender, you know, like just not not great. And it was funny that uh, because you had messaged me earlier and were like, have you seen Harry Maguire's celebration? And by weird coincidence, I just watched Sonny's celebration after scoring against City when Pep called us the Harry Kane team and he grabs the camera and yells, don't you know who I am, man? It was like oh that's so ice cold it's so good and yeah. then the next thing i watch is this slide it's like dude you have been terrible for man u like what <laughs> what what are you what are you like trying to block out here like
1: <laughs> you've been terrible totally it's just such a warped perception um it's just so bizarre it's you know while we're on this topic too we should touch on harry kane's interview that he gave um oh. as well where he spoke about you know this is his first summer of transfer speculation and he he managed to cope and handle it handle it pretty well and and all that and you read that and you're just thinking like mate you caused this whole thing like it wasn't <laughs> yeah. like you've been hounded by the media and it's been a really stressful challenging time for you and you had nothing to do with it and oh how unfortunate it's like you tried to engineer this this move because he was talking in the interview too. He was like, oh, and I'm so happy. Like I have my brother there to support me. And I'm like, you two did this. <laughs> like you yeah. wouldn't have gotten into this situation if you didn't try these ridiculous measures to try and get out of the club um, and doing all these like Gary Neville interviews and releasing all these stupid things to the press. Like you caused mm. this whole situation. And now mm. are we supposed to feel sympathy for you that you were like hounded over the summer because of it?
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there was like, I and the quote, like, I think I handled it well. Like, you handled it the worst out of anyone that's ever been <laughs> speculated to have a transfer ever, almost. Like, it was so bad. Yeah. um, I just can't believe, like, I can't believe that, that that was the decision that he decided to make in that moment. He could have said any, he could have said, oh, well, you know, media speculation, like, um or any even though he was the one engineering a lot of the press uh conferences um or not press conferences the press um he, he could have said anything but instead he was like nah, I did a good job it's like what well, it's what do you it's yeah.
1: insane and it's especially when you when you take it that like we still haven't really had a statement from him to the Spurs fans mm. like this is not he's not we're not making this to Spurs fans here when he's he's like appealing this is to like the, you know the English public, as the captain of England, like, oh, have a bit of sympathy for me for my for my poor run of form. But you know, I've um, you know, I'm okay. I've 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 gotten through it. Blah blah blah. But there's still been zero acknowledgement to like us who have like you know backed him for years. Mm. There's not been a single thing which has kind of been like, hey, I wanted to move, it didn't happen. But now now that's in the past. I'm like, mm. I'm in now. Like or any sort of thing to acknowledge Spurs fans at all, and I think that is what is the most infuriating thing from this because I did think that, cool, coming into this international break, eventually we're going to hear Kane be interviewed and talk about something. Um, I'm mm. surprised it hadn't happened at previous international breaks because that's where, like, press get more access to a, a player and they can be like, Kane, so, uh, yeah, you game for England? Yeah, well, cool, whatever. All right, let's talk Spurs and the fail, failed move. They always, mm. like, manage to sneak in, and in the past that's where <laughs> – you know, we have, I think Christian Eriksen gave his interview about wanting to leave Spurs to, like, the Danish press or something during the international break. Mm. I think Moussa de Bele at some stage might have said up. But, like, it's where the things come out. But I was just thinking that, you know, Kane's got to acknowledge this at some stage.
0: Yeah, yeah, surely. Although, you know, track record, he probably won't. <laughs> or he will, and he'll do it in the most bizarre, weird way that's actually more damaging to his reputation than, than does any good. Um, oh. um my cat has just managed to open a door by jumping on the uh uh handle of the door to open it. Well I so, feel like
1: your cat is like, you know what, you're talking
0: about Harry Kane. I've got some thoughts. Yeah. Yep. And now he's trying to climb inside a paper bag. So um hopefully he won't be too uh too distracting. But um yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's so bizarre. I mean, the other thing that uh, that sort of comes out of international breaks is Australia has a national team and we play and um, I watched it and we're, we're terrible, right? We're so terrible. It's infuriating to watch. But what's even more infuriating, which I can imagine uh, English fans might uh, get as well, is that the commentators talk about, you know, like they'll be like, oh, Lockwood's coming on into the central midfield. Uh, he's a real midfield commander. He passes the ball and controls the moves. And then Lockwood gets the ball and first pass, like puts it into Rosette. And it's like, let's just, let's just be like, yeah, we suck. But, you know, we're doing our best as opposed to like needing uh, <laughs> to big ourselves up when it's not true. Definitely.
1: And it's it's interesting, I think, to look at Australian football overall, because if we go back to the 2006 World Cup, um Mm. that we qualify for and it was like cool all right things are like starting to like happen and you know we had a run we go out to italy um you know a lot of drama in that game and then i think i'm not sure exactly when a kicked off but it would have been around about the same time um and it felt like all right cool maybe you know this sport the profile is being raised in this country it's getting might get bigger we might start producing some you know um some other you know, international quality players that um, are playing around the world, but it's like our golden generation that we had, it's like they've kind of dropped off and mm. we really haven't had anyone sort of coming through and replacing them. And now we are, you know, 15, 16 years after that, which is mm. definitely enough time for like a whole bunch of babies to be born, start kicking around a ball and, you know, get to an age where, okay. Um, you know, they, they're they still obviously like, you know, youthful prospects, but, um, even if we think at the time, if there were little kids watching that who were like athletic and maybe they would have chosen footy to play normally, but then they go, Oh, look at us in the world cup. Oh, cool. Maybe I'll try soccer out. Like there's just been no one sort of coming through at all. And yeah, I, I think it's just like, I, I don't really know where sort of Australian football goes from here. And I, I know this is like a greater conversation, um, to be had probably another time, but, um, yeah, it's. I think it's hard to get behind the national team as much when we don't have, you know, those sort of superstars that we had previously. That we, even when we had like, you know, we we could watch Cahill going. We had Q, We have Viduca, We have players like this, um, where it was easier, I think, to build a bit more identity around the team around these sort of big players.
0: Oh, totally. Um, according to a friend of the pod, Tim, he was saying that, uh, we have stuffed our um, our this generation of players because post two thousand and six, we decided that we wanted to play. Uh, and recruit uh, our like young promising talent um, and teach them the Dutch model, which was all about tactics and formation and passing and all this kind of stuff. Um, But we didn't focus on skill. And you can tell, (laughs) you can tell (laughs) in these games it's, it's, it's really frustrating to watch. Um, And we've since then been like, okay, that didn't work at all. We're going back uh, to what we were doing before. So, it probably will still be another 15 or so years until we see any uh, evidence of whether that's worked.
1: Yeah, maybe on a future episode, we'll get an expert on this who has followed the A League in a lot more depth than we have. Uh, and we yep. could do a deep dive into what has sort of mm. happened there and, and where that's heading. But it'll, it'll be a long time before we see uh, an Australia player in uh, a spurshirt. <laughs>
0: yes, least. yeah, yeah, it will be. We, we I mean, we did have what was it Glover? He was the like third keeper for a couple of years. And, um, uh, yeah, he's now... we also had,
1: um, I think Massimo Lungo as well. He was in like the youth team, and we had another defender in there at some stage, but uh, no one who's really uh broken through. No, this, so, this no. is what international breaks for us. They are either finding out club, club players, you know, that we love and adore have said something against the club, have gotten injured. Or we're forced to like look at the Australian team and then feel depressed about where, like how well we're playing.
0: Exactly, it is the worst. I'd so die. I hate international breaks so much.
1: And we've got so um, many
0: of them now, Barney.
1: They're like it's like every uh, second week is a two-week international break.
0: Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, hopefully, you know, the the bright side is that Conte now has time with the players that he's got to work on. Um, whatever he wants to work on, I don't know, stopping them from eating tomato sauce and um, making them run 20 K's every day or something like, um, so that's good. Um, And a lot of the noise coming out of the club as to what Conte's done so far and his staff and uh, the way that he's conducted himself, um, it all sounds really positive. So that's, uh, that's exciting. And and there's definitely like a bit of a fetish fetishization of Spurs fans. (laughs) Hearing about players like getting punished and having to run and all this kind of stuff, uh, it's like yeah, yeah, you yeah you do have to run because the last two years have been terrible. (laughs) Um, Which, you know, I definitely as much as I'm like that's gross. I do still get a little bit of a kick out of hearing that X player like needs to do. Conte's told them to do this, and um, yeah,
1: oh definitely. And I think look, like you say, it is good that we do have. You know, these breaks are there for the players who aren't playing for their countries. Um, But it's like, it's kind of like, yeah, it doesn't really feel that rewarding because you kind of want the whole squad to be together and you want your best players (laughs) to be, you know, under Conte and learning his system and having two weeks to focus on that rather than like, you know, it's wonderful for like, you know, these youth team um, prospects who get called up. Um, and then we get all these reports like such and such from the under-16s has been called into first-team training. And it's like, yeah, because Conte's got no one there to work with and exactly. he needs some players for the other team, you know, to play against in training. So it's really, yeah, like I think um, Steven Bergwijn, I think he ended up getting called up because there was an injury to someone else who got called up to the Dutch squad and so he was on that reserve list and then got called through. But like he was a player which I was sort of hoping, you know, would get a couple of weeks working with Conte and it's like, Oh, that would be really beneficial for him um, building up that fitness. And, you know, he's someone who, you know, I think could possibly play in that sort of, um, you know, left back uh, or left, you know, up and down the wing um, for us. But again, he's someone else who's gone off. Uh, But then, you know, Spurs put up a picture of, uh, you know, Deli and Conte, a few of those and, and then, you know, as fans, we go from writing off Delhi to being like, oh, big things coming. Yeah. <laughs> he's in a training session with Conte. Oh, big things coming.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I um have I've got to say, as much as I am a fan of Delhi, um, I have he's written off for me. Like <laughs> that's it. Like I I don't expect him to have any kind of major role in this team. Um, and I hope he proves me wrong and I sound like an idiot in a month. Um, but to me, it's just it's done. Like, is what's he gonna, what's he gonna add to the contest system if he's playing in the ten? Like, he's not that kind of ten that's going to be finding those balls in in between the lines. Um, so that's I mean that's depressing. Um, I guess it's it's good that like Reggie, I don't think got called up to the Spanish squad. Um, so he at least he's there, and Dombello is obviously there. Um, and apart from that, like I think it's just. All your regular fodder, Spurs fodder. See, I
1: wonder if I was thinking, like, did Brian Hill get
0: called up, but
1: like to the under 23s or mm. I, I think he did. Because then there's another oh. player, but I, I, I might, I could be completely wrong here, but, you mm. know, it's it's sometimes like that where you get plays and you're like, oh, they didn't get called up. And then you check and you're like, oh, they've been off with the under 23s and the under 21s. Mm. Um, which is, it's obviously great for them as players to go off and do that. But at the same time, you're like, oh, just some more time with Conte for everyone. Would just serve yeah. us so well. Um, so I think it'll be really interesting to see what happens when we return uh, at the end of next week, um, especially as we have we're playing Leeds, uh, a very, you know, a team that likes to run a lot. Let's to put it mildly. Mm. Um, mm. And it'll be really interesting, I think, to see what happens with Ndombélé because if he spent two weeks with Conte there, you know, every day they're working, working, working. If he doesn't start in that Leeds game, then I don't know. I, uh, I don't know how you feel about this, but I start getting a little bit worried um, about, you know, his possible future under Conte.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely um, concerning. I don't know if you've seen the photos of um, Bele running and Conte. It looks like Conte is saying something. Uh, he's praising him. And Ndombele's face is like absolute, like shock that it's happened. Um, and yeah, so I really hope that, that he does start in that Leeds game. There's a really, really good video that's been put together by, um, Nathan, Nay Clark from the extra inch that goes through Conte's tactics and how he plays. Um, and uh, you know, part of that, uh, from what I learned from that, I think it's like, it's a, you know, part of their Patreon, but you can watch it on YouTube, I think as well or whatever, um, is that Conte, uh, possession ball, when you know content teams want to use it uh when the other team is pressing them is very effective <laughs> like their numbers are insane um so i would suspect that leads won't be too bigger uh an issue for us i hope but you know obviously i have no idea <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: I, I think to me it's just the thing that if we get like I don't know exactly when all the players are getting back because, like, in previous international breaks that we've had, as in ones this season, it's been mm. a case of like Spurs charter a flight to get you know Lacelso and Sanchez back three mm. hours before the match, and you're just like, yeah. oh god, like that's not good for anyone in this mm. situation. Um, and so I hope that, but I don't think it's the case. But I hope that at least there's a couple of days um, before the league, the, sorry, the Leeds game. Um, in order to sort of embed these tactics in. Cause I guess that's my just concern about this game as well is it's not putting too much pressure on this result, um, but it could be a case of, you know, players just haven't had that much time to start adjusting to Conte's methods and how he wants to play before they've just been whisked off to international duty and playing very different styles of football um, mm. for whatever their national team is going for. So, you know, it, uh, I, I am being patient here. It could take us, you know, a few games to start, you know, seeing things come together. And I'm overall, I'm very optimistic about us moving forward. Um, but I think, yeah, it's to me, it's just like more about, all right, what individual players do we see starting to get more minutes um, for us who, you know, might've been out of the fold. They, they, they could sort of be some surprises. I, I just love the idea of getting behind a surprise, like getting behind someone who's a bit of an underdog. They were on the fringes of the squad uh, like, your nightmare, Barney, if maybe somehow Harry Winks just gets turned into oh, God. a Ballon d'Or-quality midfielder.
0: Oh, it could happen. It God. could happen. It, yeah, maybe. I'm, <laughs> I doubt it, but um, I can see how Harry Winks, like Optimum Harry Winks, could fit into a Conte system really well. Um, but Optimum Harry Winks uh, died a few years ago, so... Um, <laughs> I don't know whether that whether that will happen. I mean, you know, we. I think it's you're right. It's important to be patient, um, because he, you know, there's been no preseason, and Conte's got to, you know, get everyone playing in his meticulous, you know, positional method, and you know, used to using those automations that he that he implements. But I think what we've already seen from the last two games has been remarkably. Different, and I've been amazed at how quickly Conte has managed to um, uh, implement like uh, some of his, you know, stuff. Like in the Vitesse game, sure, they're going to be really pumped because it's Antonio Conte is the manager, and they're going to want to go out there and. And we had twenty minutes where we scored three goals, and um, you know, it looked really good. There were there was that great uh, Lucas goal that was like beautiful Conte ball, but. Even though the Everton game was nil all, I was actually probably more impressed uh, with that because it was. It, sorry, with the very Everton game? yeah, with way the Everton more impressed. Game? Yeah, 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 with the Everton game, um, more impressed because we didn't wilt like we have done a lot over the last two years. Like they, they held it together despite the uh, environment they were in, um, which I thought was great.
1: And it was nice uh, for us to get a, a red card for Holgate uh, to finish off the game as well. That was just a nice thing <laughs> where it's like, okay, cool. We really shouldn't lose this one now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think uh, to touch on the Vitesse game first, like you did. Yeah. That Lucas goal, like that seemed like, you know, again, we don't really get too far ahead of ourselves, but it did seem, it's like that seems like more of a rehearsed move. Um, and it didn't seem like this was just by chance. It was very, very controlled. The flicks. Uh, from Lucas, it was that with basically without looking at Kane, Kane knew just to turn and play Lucas through he was going to run through straight away. We haven't seen anything like that through any goals that we've had um, under New- well, there's been you know a handful of goals really to sort of mm. judge that on. Um, but I think just seeing a goal like that was like oh wow, and like an aesthetically pleasing goal again. Um, mm. It just felt a bit foreign, <laughs> really, because yeah. we're not sort of used to that. But I but I do agree, it's like in both of these games we did see or we have seen some you know um some influence that conte has had um started to starting to come through and everton's a weird one because i feel like i feel like we usually do okay against everton mm. um apart from the obviously the cup game last year um which well which but also that was a that game was just nuts um, it was, it was yeah, so crazy, but I feel like we usually do okay against Everton, but at the same time, we always end up having like a tough battle with them, especially away. Um, mm. it always seems very, very challenging for us. And, um, you know, I, I do agree. Like we, we came to the game, we did look a little bit more positive than we have previously. And maybe that was the more impressive performance than the Vitesse one.
0: Mm. Yeah. I thought it was more impressive, but uh, more impressive in, the way that we were uh really aggressive in um trying to win the ball back uh we weren't you know like take like everton played sort of a really like uh intense dour um uh, uh what what's the name of their manager again uh, I keep on going to say Roberto Martinez and that's not it um uh what's his name yeah he's how could i forget this wait who which manager Everton's manager. Oh, um, Ranieri. No. <laughs> Who is it? He's got the tiny glasses, like a- Yeah, it's, uh, he, was a, he, it's uh, he looks like a- No, it's not- <laughs> I can't believe- That's I'm right. We'll, we'll look up this. now,
1: Everton manager.
0: <laughs>
1: oh, no, it's not <laughs> Benitez, it's Benitez. It's Benitez, That's- it's Benitez.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I could see his weird little face, but I couldn't I couldn't place a name to it. Anyway, I feel it was like, like I was real just, ben- like just to
1: comment on that. Mm. It's like
0: there have been a few manager changes who have come in recently.
1: Um Ranieri is back. Yeah. Where is he? Watford. He's at Watford. Yep. Right. Gerard is now taken over Aston Villa. Yep. And um Newcastle's new manager um from Eddie Howe, Eddie Howe. Cool. Yeah. Great. There've yeah. been a lot of like there've been a lot of um yeah. turnover for managers. Like mm. obviously during a season we do normally get managers fired and and replaced, but it's kind of all happened in a very short period. There's been like this two-week thing where like, you know, a quarter of the league have just gone,
0: you know what, time to change. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then Norwich got rid of their manager as well and I have no idea who they replaced him with or if they have um yeah that's right yeah that and it was after they
1: won as well so it's like well you won but no it's too late (laughs) So you're out so there's a lot it just also shows how crazy the league is at the moment and um you know results can change so much like you know you're down in ninth you win a game you're back in like you know sort of fifth um
0: pushing fourth um Mm. but yeah to your point benitez (laughs) of course benitez (laughs) yeah benitez uh, that you know family household name benitez um (laughs) yeah they they played, they executed whatever he was trying to do really well where they, you know, we had most of the possession. Um, It seemed like they were just trying to play pretty direct. Um, They were trying to be very physical. And we met ma- the thing that I'm trying to get to is that we match their physicality, which was great because under potch, we had that, like we are, we're hard. Like we're going to, we're going to, if you try and um out physical us, <laughs> out, whatever, um, <laughs> like try and bully us with your body. Uh, we'll, we will, we will just give it straight back to you. And then that disappeared. Um, and so it was good to see it back.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah. And the other 10 of the Poch team that, you know, when we were losing and Poch team has been charged, we just never panicked. Cause we are like, you know what? We're going to score a couple in the, uh, in the last 10 minutes of the game. We'll be fine. And, and yep. like, mm-hmm. you know, throughout that period there were all these times where these stats were brought out, oh, Spurs have won the most points from being behind by anyone in the league over the last two seasons, all this sort of stuff, um, which is also what uh, Conte did at Chelsea um, where they went through – they scored like the most goals after the 80th minute, you know, um, yeah, where they sort of turned around like 10 results or something in that time period. So it is nice the idea of being able to go back to that and not having, you know, Spurs just being this team – which just wilts away <laughs> as games go on, yeah. which is what has happened to us in the last couple of seasons where even if we have looked good, you know, when we've been watching games, we're like, all right, we're 1-0 up, no, we need two. And then if we do manage to get mm. 2 nil up, we're like, we need a third because then yeah. we always find yeah. a way. <laughs> or then even, you know, famously <laughs> last season um, with Mourinho, it's like, we need a third. All right, we've got three and it's a draw. How did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. How did that happen? Exactly. And so I think oh. that's the, even in Conte's, like, you know, um, his, his sort of press conference after, you know, Vitesse, he was like, you know, there were a lot of positives there, but, you know, I want the players to be punished. Like, you know, they have to feel what that punishment feels like. And you could tell he was like, he was not happy at all about the fact that, you know, two goals were conceded. Um, mm. Even though, you know, there were two red cards on the other team. You know, we got mm. Romero sent off as well. Uh, ultimately a very entertaining game
0: mm.
1: compared to mm. what we've been it was seeing. Serious. This season, yeah. too. So I think watching that, I definitely felt like, oh, this is actually just really enjoyable to watch. Um, because it's just very like up and down and like, cool, we're going to walk this game. No, we're not. Oh, but hang on. Now there's a red card. Oh, no. Now there's two more <laughs> red cards. Um, so it was kind of ridiculous that that was really like, um, ended up being sort of Conte's first game.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, it was, it felt, uh, very refreshing as much as you're all right. You know, Conte wasn't happy, <laughs> um, with, with what happened and uh, you know, on that in the Vitesse game and uh, then in the Everton game as well, we've had a narrative building for a while about LaCelso or uh Lichelso is what Romero was calling him in a video i I watched um, uh, and him being, you know, terrible and he doesn't care. And because, you know, like he should have scored that goal against Vitesse uh, to make it 4-2 um, and then he hit the post against Everton with a really good shot, but then followed that up with one of the worst corners I've ever seen. Um, so it, it's really puzzling for me because we know that you know under under um, Mourinho, when everyone was injured, lacelso was fantastic. He was the one that was like making anything happen for us, and then he's been injured a lot. Uh, and then we see that at national team level, he's uh, he kills it, and then he comes back to us and it's just like perplexing how he just seems to continuously have really poor games. Oh, definitely.
1: Like, yeah, you hear about him on international duty and it's like, you know, we're going to drop Messi today. We'll going to, like, lacelso's he's, he's, he's going to lead us out. He's going to do everything. Um, mm. And then he comes back here and it hasn't worked, but like, you know, we've, both of us have always had sort of faith in Lo Celso and thought that he's capable of a lot more. And, and like you said, he has had, a, you know, quite a bit of injury trouble, but, you know, I think a lot of this too is it could be down to, you know, the managers we've had and certain players work better under different managers. And also, Mm. you know, we've had a high turnover um, as well of managers here and some players, they're not just going to start playing brilliantly um, in a manager's system straight off the bat. They need time. They need a few months to like really get a good understanding of that and really start putting things together. And when we go from like, you know, sort of like Pochettino to Mourinho and then um, to Mason and then to Nuno and then now to Conte, like that's, there's a lot of change over there and you think Mm. about it, like if you just take a normal company and you're like, all right, who's in charge here? We've got, all right, we're going to just churn through like five CEOs in a couple of years. I mean, that company is going to change direction massively and it's going to take people a while to like adjust to the new systems in place and all that. So, you know, to people who have already written Lo Celso off uh, and written Ndombele off and written, you know, every single player off that, um, you know, that wasn't one of these superstars we didn't sign. Uh, that's where it's like, no, look, we, we now know that we do have a top manager who is also a top manager, um, you know, at his prime, like he's still got his work cut out for him at Spurs, but, you know, this is a manager who's won a lot in the last decade. Uh, not mm. a Mourinho, who hasn't really won too much, and was you know is now showing again at Roma that he's like he's he's kind of past like peak Mourinho by a long way, and he's not really adapting yeah. to the modern game. Like we've got Conte, who is like this guy wins, and mm. he gets players performing above their you know expected ability, um, which he did with mm. a lot of players at Inter, um, and so you know like if if things can click for Lo Celso, um, you know there is a really talented player there
0: yeah yeah exactly exactly and I really, really hope they do click, and I hope they click soon <laughs> um uh same with Endon Bellet I mean we've seen maybe more from him now that of his quality um but I hope you know he's involved in the in the team it's It's interesting with the changeover with all the managers that um we've had is that you know you've heard from the players it's like pochettino's training sessions were too hard and it's like oh that makes sense because that group had been doing it for five years and they were a lot older and so sure you get sick of doing that i get that Mourinho comes in his sessions are too easy and then uh nuno comes in jose's too direct and he's too inflammatory nuno comes in his sessions are a little bit better but he's not direct enough and then and he's very cold know,
1: on the training ground and hard yeah, and not approachable and everything.
0: N- not approachable. And then you get, and now we've got Conte where it's like, as you said, he wins. He's in his prime. He's known for demanding a lot from his players. And if they don't meet those demands, he, you know, see you later. He kills um, them. Yeah, <laughs> he, he literally kills them. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see what happens because it's Conte A, as we've seen uh, from his press conferences, isn't afraid of uh, the managerial side of, and I mean, like the corporate side of, of clubs, you know, he comes out and he was like, Tottenham look great, you know, with the stadium and stuff. Now the the team needs to catch up, Um, but he's not, he's not pulling punches. um, And I don't think that the players, well, they just can't get away with, there's no, um, uh, like unsurety or it, nothing's, um, you know, it could go this way, it could go this way. It's like, no, he's a good manager. So if it's not working, it's on you, not not the manager or the system or whatever. Yeah. So it really feels yeah, like there are be- no
1: excuses now. Um, mm. With this, And what this reminds me of, it's like, if you have a friend who like goes through a lot of relationships and it's always like, oh, what happened with such and such? Like, oh, they were like messy. They were too messy. And mm. just left stuff everywhere. Oh, okay, cool. And then the next person they they saw um, and they broke up. Oh, they were too clean. You know, they were, it was, it was too meticulous, too, to all that sort of stuff. Like, it really sounds like our players have just been kind of blaming everyone but themselves
0: <laughs> throughout <laughs> yeah. all these
1: managers because, yeah, you go from like, oh, they worked us too hard. Oh, they didn't work us enough. Oh, they weren't <laughs> friendly. Oh, this, that, and everything else. It's kind of like if anyone comes out under Conte, um, like you can't say anything because we also know very, very clearly that he like, he can be brutal and he expects a lot of you, but he achieves elite results from doing that. And, Mm. you know, if the players are like, well, he worked us too hard, then that really is the nail in the coffin of like, okay, it is going to be impossible to get any of that sort of like winning desire and, you know, increase that mentality in that, in that person, because, you know, like, why are you playing this game? Like, you know, are you playing it to not, like, have the best chance you can of, like, you know, having some glory? And I don't necessarily mean you, like, that means you have to win something, like a, a specific trophy or title or anything, but to actually improve as a player and to, you know, to reach the, the highest level that you can. Um, but, And that can be at any level. Like, you can have players playing the championship who for them actually pushing up, and playing in like a mid lower Premier League team is incredible. And that's a way to sort of, that's where their, their ceiling is. Um, mm. But it just shows you now that like, if we get some players who, who who come out and then end up complaining about Conte um, you can just tell it's like, all right, they're just not suited, you know, to, to be, you're not suited to be working under a manager like that. If you're going to complain mm. um, yeah. about these methods.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's exactly right. And you're not, you're not suited to the position that the club's in at the moment where we're trying to get back into the top four. And then from there return to, you know, challenging for the title, um, we need players that are going to that, that ha- also, you know, agree with that, that mission statement, um, which, yeah, it's going to be very fascinating to see who plays, who doesn't, who leaves, uh, who stays. Yeah. It's um, very
1: interesting. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I find interesting, too, is that how much speculation there is now about the the, um, the winter transfer window um, uh-huh. in a couple of months. And it's already just kicking off. And so many fans are, like, thinking, like, oh, we've got content now. He must have been promised 200 million pounds to spend. Oh, uh, we're mm. going to sign Vlavic, We're going to sign, like, mm. Skrunia, We're going to sign everyone. Um, and personally, I don't think that's going to be the case. Like, I <laughs> think <laughs> I would be surprised if we didn't sign a player. Mm. But... I feel like when you actually look at our squad and break it down, it is nowhere near as bad when you go like player by player in each position as what a lot of people um seem to think it is. Um yeah. and we don't really need like we need okay, if if we want to like be challenging for the title right now, um, by the end of the season, we would need <laughs> to go out and, you know, buy sort of like, you know, three top tier players. Um, yeah. but to sort of progress and get back up into fourth i don't really think we need to spend too much and i think if we bring in like you know give give bring in one new conte player something like that mm. that might be enough to sort of um help us to push on uh but yeah i i just don't see us like um you know having promised conte this huge um huge purse to go off and and buy whoever he wants um, because you know, in reading more about Conte and finding more um more about him, like he doesn't always necessarily need these huge spends. Like a lot of clubs mm. have have backed him and gone for that, but there have other also been other transfer windows where he's been at teams like an in Inter where they didn't have a huge spend all the time.
0: Mm.
1: So um, yeah, it, I, I'm uh, I'm I'm excited at how like this is gonna I think this is gonna be really interesting to watch and see how this plays out. Um mm. but yeah, like there's no idea in my head of where we're going to finish or what's going to happen in a couple of months or anything like that. Like, I think it's just a really exciting time to be like, Ooh, what can we do from here? Let's see where we can go.
0: Mm, mm, Exactly. I would be shocked if we don't sign a center back in the window or if uh, we don't see one of our center backs, you know, be it even Davies playing in that three or Roden comes in or, you know, Tanganga or whoever, and makes a huge improvement, and then we don't. But we need to sign a centre back, and we have for so long. So I, I think that would be pretty high on the list. But people seem to forget during the summer window, we were linked with 10 billion different players, and it's happening again now. And a lot of the talk was like, well, this is what Paratechi does. He goes out and he's like, shows interests in seven different players for one position. And it doesn't mean we're going to sign them, we're going to sign one, maybe. And it's happening now. Like uh, my Twitter feed is just filled with us seemingly signing every single professional footballer in Europe. And it's like, this is what he's doing again, but that that's been forgotten, which is, um, which is pretty funny. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm really interested to, to see who gets uh, who gets moved on as well, because um, I feel like, uh, like Harry we Win- Harry Winks has um, been going to leave the club for the last like three years. And then he's like, no, I'm going to stay and fight for my place. And then doesn't play. <laughs> and then he's like, well, I'm leaving. So I wonder what is going to go on there.
1: Yeah. Uh, and I think as well, like it's going to take, it's probably going to take up until, you know, January anyway, um, probably for, for Conte really to work out what his a hundred percent strongest team is. Because like mm. it, it, with his system too, like there are still variables as to what's he what he is going to do, like whether he is mm. going to keep playing like three up front or whether he's going to go to two up front um, and sort of play like Son off Kane, um, like which then you know changes what happens in the midfield more and it mm. changes what we sort of require from all of our midfielders there because mm. you know we've got a lot of players who offer very very different things. We don't really have many sort of players, especially like in our midfield, who are like like for like replacements of each other because mm. you know I I look at say you know someone like Hoybier and Skip who a lot of people are saying we should only play one we should only play one and I agree when we're playing three at the back I think we only need one of Skip and Hoybier. but at the same yeah. time like they are different players and it's like I think Skip probably ultimately like from what I've seen anyway this season like I think he's a bit better in the tackle and like screening the defense but and he's I think he's a bit better with his passing in general But then Mm. I think Hojbjerg, you get, it's a bit maybe more of an all-rounder in sort of what Mm. he can bring um, and also obviously his leadership qualities that he can add as well. So Mm. I think it's really, before we just get carried away about like, we need to sign this player, we need to sign this, we need to sign this. I think we do just need some time as well to see how Conte actually starts constructing this midfield together. Um, mm. If he plays one of Foyier and Skip, if he plays, you know, and and with one of them, like what he ends up doing with the Celso, if the the delaisance happens and um, he comes back in uh, somehow, like there's, it's a bit too early to be to be sort of getting fixated on on you know summer transfer. Oh, sorry, winter transfers.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, in my boredom of of this week of the international break, the one shining uh, beacon has been. I don't know if you've seen this, the video with it's on like football daily or lad football lad or something stupid. And they, they're asking, they're asking questions to Aubameyang and they're like, would you rather uh, transfer to Spurs or retire? <laughs> Aubameyang's answer was like, well, actually, um, um, I went there and saw the training ground and they said they wanted to sign me and then they never called. <laughs> and it's like just the complete opposite. And then he's like, oh, yeah, so I guess I'd retire because they never called me. But it's like, well, no, you went Spurs. They were like, nah.
1: <laughs> and then. Totally. Yeah. Because I think I've I've heard a version of that in the past as well where it's been like, oh, yang would never sign for Spurs, dot, 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 because when they tried to sign him, they didn't follow through and he was <laughs> unhappy about it. And so it's like it's very different from being like, you know, Arsenal fan TV where they're like, Hey, would you put on this Spurs shirt for a hundred pounds? Nah, no way. I would rather die. Um <laughs> It's like, I don't think Babia doesn't really feel <laughs> you know that way. It's just because we yeah, like we didn't follow through and um and end up signing him that he's like, yeah, you know what? Screw that, I'm not gonna go there. Which is fine as well. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, it's it's really sort of interesting because we haven't had a player cross the the divide for a little while now. Um, mm. I mean, look. I'm sure there's a bunch of like, you know, youth youth teamers who have like, um, you know, trained at either Spurs or Arsenal and they've they've crossed over. But we haven't really had a player who's been sort of in the first team equation switch um, mm. since Sol Campbell. I'm pretty sure. Um but then it's like we end up st- – at the moment we're getting linked to like the similar players like, you know, Tomiyasu, where mm. And then when we have the Northland done, we see Tomiyasu. We're like, ooh, he maybe looks not too bad. We could have got him. But then seeing how, say, Royale has been playing the last couple of games where more in that wingback role, we're like, whoa, Royale's got – all right, we made the right choice here. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I can't – like the, the um, decision – Making or people making up their mind about the quality of um, uh, Royale is, is fascinating to me because he played a couple of games, was okay, not bad, was okay. And now it's like, oh, we've made a really good signing. This guy's really good. Um, and it's like, well, it's, how, how many times do we need to make the mistake um, of a player coming in, adjusting, not being that great, and then writing them off, and then they turn around and they're actually pretty good? Like how many times does that need to happen before there is a collective acknowledgement that it's like, it takes people a little bit of time to settle in. (laughs) Like it just, it's bananas.
1: Definitely. It's like we treat players like they are like just players on FIFA. Like they've just got these prescribed stats and every time Mm. you play them on the game, they're going to play the same stats basically. And it's like, yeah, "Yeah, they're great. So they're great all the time. Or it's like, oh, they're Mm. serviceable. So they're serviceable all the time. And it's just not true in the slightest, which is why it's like, you know, you have players who have won, you know, major honours for, for their clubs and their countries um, when they haven't been amazing players, but they have been absolutely perfect role players um, mm. in a team-specific system under a specific manager. Mm. Um, and I think that really shows the the brilliance of a manager is to overperform with the players that you have and to sort of get like world-class you know, performances from players um, when they m- might not actually be, you know, that impressive all-rounder, that you know, as an all-round footballer, um, if you just mm. went and dropped them into another team. Yeah. And that yeah, doesn't exactly. mean that they're a bad player. And I think it's like they're almost the sort of players which I would prefer for us to be going for um, and having more of a sort of target identity of how we want to play and which it feels like now we're getting that with like Paratici and the sort of players he wants to bring in. Um, mm. and I guess you get that when you have a director of football, um, as opposed to the managers just having constant turnover, mm. but like, yeah. exactly. I much prefer those sort of signings because they're often a lot cheaper than trying to go get like, you know, this, this player who is viewed as like an all round elite footballer. Um, mm. and like we as fans, it's like, as soon as like, like taking Dombele for an example, we he comes in and we are thinking he is like, all right, we've got like, we're signing like the next like Pele. Like he's got I know he's not a striker before people pick up on that, but like, you know, it's like we're signing like the, a, a generational player who is going to be like, you know, win player of the year and all that sort of stuff. And then he doesn't perform to that level. And then we just jump on him and go, no, nah, he's rubbish. He's this, is that and everything else. Same with La Celso. Um, hmm. It's much more fun, I think to like, you know, build up players and then, you know, really get invested in the ride as that happens.
0: Yeah, totally. Totally. There's, so much more of a, I think, a connection that you you form with those players that come in and they're, yeah. and then they are, but they turn out to be perfect players in that particular system, in that particular role, and it feels like you as a supporter of the club has been involved in their development, even though you've done nothing. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, there's definitely a, a a yeah stronger connection or a, a feeling of ownership or or something there.
1: Definitely, Um, It's like to me the whole like one of our own thing Why we loved Kane for so long Like why we're all Mm. so excited about Skip Mm. It's because like you say There's that sense of like you know ownership And that sort of deeper connection of like we've seen We've had this player when they weren't Great and Mm. we're seeing Them improve um, And constantly like keep improving And playing above their ability Um, And that's like yeah you get So attached to those players
0: Yeah yeah totally should we um dive into the Bitzerzy medal votes? Uh, yep, yeah, we should. Yep, yep. Um, I'm I'm struggling to remember <laughs> who who I want uh to give votes to, but um based off uh what I can remember, I'm gonna start out by giving um ooh, Emerson Royale, I'm gonna give him three. Um, I thought he was great. Um, uh, two is going to go to. Uh, my good friend, uh, Oliver Skip, who now <laughs> has so many consecutive weeks of me voting for him because I thought he was really solid. Um, and one vote is going to go to, uh, Antonio Conte because, um, he managed to produce in the team a performance that we haven't seen in a long time, uh, just in terms of the fight and physicality that was uh, on show. Um, in terms of, uh, Bonus, bonus po- What not? Bonus points. Uh, encouragement, encouragement points. points. <laughs> bonus points. <laughs> um, uh, I am going to give one to um, uh, Ben Davies, uh, because he's really impressed me uh, since he's come in, and I don't think he should be a regular starter or even sub in the team. But thus far, he's done you know a pretty serviceable job. And then uh, negative votes. Uh, negative three to Dyer. I just love there's always so much
1: energy that comes about with the like negative votes. It's like with the positive ones, we're always like, oh, who could we possibly vote for in this game? And then negative votes like, all right, here we go. (laughs) Let's tuck
0: it. Now, finally the good bit. (laughs) Uh, uh, Eric Dyer, negative three um, was, you know, wasn't, it wasn't entirely his fault. Um, uh, That uh, they had a couple of clear chances. But um, he just still is not, he's not, he shouldn't be our starting centre back. Um, And it's scary to me that he still is. Um, Negative three to Richarlison um, for being the biggest diver in the history of the world. And um, as you pointed out to me, Dan, uh, when we were watching the highlights, once he goes over for that penalty, he jumps straight back up. And it's very obvious that he knows that Lurice got contact on the ball um yeah that's my vote that's it
1: Well, <laughs> no, that's great um i'm i'm gonna go quick and sharp uh royale i'm mm. giving three two as well um right. because again i think you know a player who's he's like he's looked solid since he's come in but he's now i think he's really starting to carve out that role um mm. in that in that right wing back position, because I think when he first started, when we had Tanganga playing so well against City, we're like, "Oh, we got Tanganga, we're good, we're sorted." Mm. Um, and then even into the Arsenal game, we're still like, "Oh, Tanganga!" Oh, and then Royale came on later in the game. We're like, "Oh, we don't really know," but then now we've seen it's like, well, for right wing back, it, it's definitely, it's definitely mm. Royale's position, and he's making that his own. And I think just again, let's give him some more time to adjust to the league, but. He's. I think he's putting in some really impressive performances, and I really like his attitude and mentality of like everything that we've. You know, we we haven't heard much room, but it. I, when he joined, he was saying the right things, and you know, he looks like a player who kind of like you know puts his head down, gets his work done, and I think we'll keep seeing improvement from him. Right. Um, yep. and on, just quickly on on Tanganga, like it would be interesting to see him as in one of these centre back roles. Um, hopefully that ends up happening in the next few weeks. That. We get to see, you know, a little bit of rotation at centre back because if we've got three, we're like, and we're playing with three, we're going to need some, like, some rotation yeah. there over the course of a season. Um, I'm giving two to Davies, mm-hmm. um, and I think as well, like we ripped into him after the Man U game, um, and he was poor in that game. <laughs> he was, yeah, he mm-hmm. was very poor there. But yeah, I think as well in the Vitesse and the Everton game, I think um, he's played much, much better. And I think we've seen that he's a lot more comfortable at, you know, in a left centre-back role, in a back three. Um, than, that's not to say he's playing perfectly, but mm. I think, like, we really tore him to him after Man mm. Um, But, like, yeah, I, at the end of the season, if we're still going into next season going like, yeah, we're going to keep playing Davies in that role, I'm like, oof, I don't know about that. But mm. if we're looking for players who can rotate through the centre-back spots and give some rest to, you know, hopefully – someone else that we bring in then I think Davies is you know he could do a decent job there as a squad player um in a back three uh one to skip as well because um you know I think Skip's becoming a, a bit of a favorite <laughs> on this part mm. he scores pretty regularly but uh he made a real like some some key challenges in that and um again I think it's just like you know here's a player that we can really get behind and you know, is he going to become a top 10 midfielder in the world? Like that's a lot of work to get to that point, but mm. could he become a really, really solid player for us and be in this squad for a number of seasons? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, mm. So one for him. I'm giving Ha an encouragement vote. I forgot as well what we called them. I, an encouragement vote to um Celso because I think, oh, hitting that post at the end, like mm. that would have been such a wonderful way to... Um, to to win to just, you know, in the 88th, 89th minute um, to just, you know, go in his little run and then sort of curl it around the angry frog, Jordan Pickford. Um, <laughs> that would have just been so great. Um, and I look, I, I just hope that like, you know, to me, Lacelle, so he just gets one or two assist goals and then, you know, he starts like, you know, becoming that creative presence that we sort of need. Um, yeah. Need in there. Um, I'm giving negative 10 to Richarlison because <laughs> I hate everything he's about. And he's, he is ridiculous. Like he, like you said, he, like, he flops more than anyone else in the league. Um, mm. And also at the same time, he's like a niggling player who like gets into other players and he's like can be very aggressive, um, and he can put in some really dirty challenges too. And it's mm. like, you can't be both. <laughs> like, yeah. You can't be someone who complains every time you even get nudged and then be this player who's going around and like little cheeky elbows little stamps like little these sort of things like I just don't like how he goes about his business and if you're an Everton fan you might look at him and go like oh yeah he's a great pest but then yeah. to everyone else it's like just stop it dude <laughs> just
0: yeah let it yeah. go
1: just enough um and then yeah that's all for the negatives i was i'll also give uh, an encouragement um half point to conte as well um for yeah undefeated so far I suppose,
0: man. yeah nice I, I forgot what as I always do I forgot one encouragement award slash bonus point slash whatever um, <laughs> I, well, sorry point five to uh Matt Doherty and he doesn't get a vote because he still did some terrible things when he came on but we've seen him play in uh, on the opposite side uh, to what he usually does in in the left back or left wing back role and be so abject and in this game it was the first time I've ever watched him <laughs> and with a Spurs shirt on and been like, "Oh, you're not just a like moving disaster. Like you did one or two good things." So, point uh, five for Doherty.
1: Yeah, it's also tough at the end of the game like that to go. All right, Matt, you're you're getting uh, you're getting ready to come on. Mm. Oh, cool, Royal coming off is he? Mm. Um, yeah. No, <laughs> not quite. <laughs> not, yeah. not so much. Uh, yeah. You're going on the left. Um. Yeah. Uh, but yeah look we'll see like he's he's one of these players who suddenly could emerge as like a a a Conte favorite well I mean that's probably a long way to go but you know who knows what will happen in a few weeks and we could be going yeah look what a great signing he ended up being yeah Um, but yeah we we don't know but yeah fair all right those are the amidst Percy medal votes
0: (laughs) yeah uh, that's them and that's us for this week Uh, any closing messages Dan uh no I think just overall
1: like you know, even though we've, you know, it's, it sounded like with certain players, we're still not like exactly happy with where they are and what they're doing and everything like that. Overall, I feel like, you know, the general sentiment now is quite positive and um yeah, it's uh, like, I feel good about how, how we're, we're traveling and there's a lot of work to be done, but I'm like really excited now. And I think, yeah, under Nuno's, you know, Spurs was starting to become very sort of stale and it felt very like, unexciting to watch games and Mm. it felt more like a chore to start doing that. Whereas now it feels like we know there's that stuff is going to happen throughout the season. Um, We know that Conte is going to come out and there's going to be some clashes, uh, but we know there's going to be a a lot of nice surprises on the way as well. And um, yeah, I think it's just, yeah, it feels good to, uh, to be in this position. Um, And yeah, I'm not, I'm not fussed at where we are on the table either. I think we'll, with a couple of results you, at the moment in this league, you can easily jump jump up back into that sort of like top four spot. And I really do think we can get fourth because I think that it's so open for that spot at the moment, even though the top three are very, well, very much closed off.
0: Mm, yeah, I agree. The longer the man you have, uh, Ole, the greater our chances are that we will finish in that spot. Um, cool. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back when we have games to talk about. Um, oh I just got a cramp um, thank you very <laughs> much uh, thank you and come on you Spurs! you you've been listening
1: to A Bit Spursy follow us on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook, email us at hello at and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms